EJ Liddell of Ohio State fell to the New Orleans Pelicans in the second round, and now they potentially have another steal of the draft like Herb Jones last year. But this actually creates a big problem for New Orleans. I'll explain what that is in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans and how they fix it. Let's go. You are Locked on Pelicans. Your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Monday. No slowing down after a killer draft night for the New Orleans Pelicans. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about the team and clearly you're all excited about this team right now we had over 15,000 views and listens immediately in those 24 hours after the draft that New Orleans killed partially because they drafted EJ Liddell in the second round and so we're going to look at while this is unexpected and a great thing for New Orleans because I'm very very high on Liddell he creates now a problem of roster spots for New Orleans. They don't have a place for him, technically, right now. So we're going to look at the roster and who's taking up spots right now, and then how do they fix this? How do they get a contract for EJ Liddell to keep him on this team? And this is, of course, because EJ Liddell is such a good player that we're only having this discussion. And of course, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so it was definitely unexpected that EJ Liddell fell to New Orleans in the second round. This was a guy that on my big board, and we talked about this on Wednesday, right? I had him at 19. I had him as a top 20 guy. Most people, I feel, had a first-round grade on him. So for him to fall that far is is just genuinely shocking to me. When all of a sudden the Pelicans were up at 41, it seemed like a no-brainer that they should take him to make what was already off to a good start for the Pelicans, drafting Dyson Daniels, even better. And with the success they had in the past, Jose Alvarado being undrafted last year, Herb Jones, 35, 34 in the second round, being able to hit on those guys is so important as a small market team. And EJ Liddell is good. He's really good. I, I'm still a little bit shocked that he slid. When you look at this guy, I think one of the reasons probably why he slid a little bit is a little bit up there in age for you know an NBA rookie. He'll turn 22 next season after playing his junior year at Ohio State. But he was great last year. 19.4 points per game, shot 37.5% from three, eight rebounds, and then 2.7 blocks. He's six foot seven with about a seven foot wingspan, allowing him, even though he's kind of undersized in terms of height, to guard up positions, bigger power forwards, even centers. In his sophomore year, he played the majority of kind of small ball five, played center for Ohio State, and he tested the NBA draft waters back then. With a lot of people saying he should go pro, right? Once you hit that 22 mark, 20, late 21, early 22, teams are going to look at you a little bit different and be like, he's old, even though it's not actually old. That's just kind of how it works in the NBA draft. And he said, no, like, no I'm not going to go into the draft. I'm going to come back for another year and really work 
on everything. And what's great is it was the right decision for him because he really improved. But you also saw the Ohio State coaches really put him in kind of positions to thrive and positions that he would play in situations that he would play at the NBA level. They really had his best interests at heart and kind of getting him to be a first round draft pick, even though that didn't end up happening for, you know, frankly, whatever reasons, instead of playing him as a small ball five, you know, and playing him at center, I guess it's not small ball in college. And I don't see him being a small ball five really for, for significant minutes in the NBA. He's definitely more of a four to me that can guard out on the perimeter you know, they let him play the four. They let him play the style of basketball that he would play in the NBA level to really get him better suited to that. And when you look at him with that good size, he can play interior and exterior too. He can defend out there on the perimeter. He's 240 pounds. So he, again, can guard bigger, bruisier power forwards. He can potentially, as I said, play a small ball five, but he certainly just handles the interior, right? And again, 2.6 blocks, he has a good feel for the game. He has kind of that anticipation of when to time your jumps to block shots. He has all of that down. And he does a lot of it just through like pure hustle. Like this is one of those guys with a high motor that's just never going to give up as he's out there playing. And then he showed last season, his junior year at Ohio State, that he can guard out there on the perimeter. He can even, you know, you can run him in a switch heavy scheme very easily. You don't want him guarding point guards in quicker two guards all the time. But if you get him in a pinch on that, you're not going to feel horrible about it. So he gives you that defensive versatility. And if you looked at him earlier on in the year, he shut down Paolo Bancaro, the number one overall pick. Shut him down, held him to one of his worst games. He's going to be a plus defender at the NBA level. And then offensively, kind of does a little bit of everything. What you really like is the perimeter shooting. 37.5% from three his junior year, taking more attempts than he'd ever had before, 3.6, 3.8. And he's improved his three years as a shooter out there. That's what you want to see. Steady improvement, right? We tend to look at guys who are 22 and feel like they don't have much room to grow or they've hit their ceiling. That's kind of like the lazy trope of the NBA draft. Oh, he's a senior. He's a junior. He'll contribute right away, but he doesn't have much room to grow. Guys can do both. And I strongly believe that Liddell is one of those guys. I don't think he's hit everything, right? That he could be doing. His three-point shot definitely needs to be consistent. He's going to need to launch attempts very quickly at the NBA level. It's a little bit slow to me. And I don't see the same kind of form consistency every single time. But that can get worked on, particularly with, you know, a great shooting coach in New Orleans. So he's a good spot-up shooter. And then he's a very good kind of face-up, mid-range guy. He can take guys off the dribble and get to the rim. He has that mid-range jumper. And frankly, he was one of the more efficient scoring players in the NBA or in college last year. It's really that simple. Like the, the main knock on him that I see from him is he needs to tighten his handle up a little bit. And he lacks insane athleticism, right? He doesn't have the amazing lateral movement. I wonder if he'll be able to really get his own shot off consistently early on in his career, and he probably doesn't. But at the same point, he had the highest standing jump at the NBA Combine. And when you look at him play, he's got shades of Paul Millsap in him, kind of a do-it-all wing, power forward kind of guy for you. EJ Liddell can do it. There's shades of, if you really want to go the small ball five route, right, of Larry Nance Jr. too. So this was just an unbelievable get for New Orleans. That was unexpected and creates a problem. Good problem, I guess, in a sense, but a problem nonetheless. How does he fit on the roster? Do they even have a roster spot for him? Let's talk about that coming up and then how to fix that problem coming up in the third segment 
of today's show. But before we get to that, Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and any sports info you might want. So you can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL, Stanley Cup Finals, and of course, Major League Baseball. I'm a big racing fan. You can get Formula One on there as well. So BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and any sorts of scores that you might need. And... BetOnline.net remains the best spot for podcasts and news this season. So BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Over at BetOnline.net, BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking things down like no one else is doing. We're going to dive into free agency later in the week. It's going to be a little bit maybe sparser, given the roster spot situation for New Orleans. We're also going to touch on the TV deal in tomorrow's show. I spoke to a lot of people within the Pelicans on the business side of things over the past couple of days to give you kind of the real scoop on that and if it's good or bad. And we'll talk about that in tomorrow's show. But today we are talking about second round steal EJ Liddell out of Ohio State. This was this was so unexpected. Because we kind of figured the Pelicans weren't going to use both second-round picks. It sounds like for Matkovich, the guy they took at 52, they had a, a plan in place and a promise to him that they were going to draft him and he's going to play overseas for at least one season, probably more than that. And it somewhat felt like they would probably sell one of the picks, being this one at 41. But with EJ Liddell there, you, you don't sell that pick. You draft the guy that you might have had that they said they had a first round grade on Pelicans general manager Trajan Langdon came out and spoke to the media after the draft and said they had a first round grade on him again I had him at 19 on my big board most people had him going in the first round you get him kind of halfway through the second round that is an absolute steal value of a pick to the point where this was so unexpected they didn't work him out he, they, you know, they contacted him about it, but they didn't feel a workout made sense because they didn't expect him to be there with their second round pick and they weren't going to take him at eight. And his people didn't expect him to be there in the second round. They didn't want to waste everyone's time. But when he was there, it seems like the plans changed and they drafted him as they should have. Right. That was clearly the right move. But this presents a problem because the Pelicans, with the addition of Dyson Daniels at eight overall, are already at 15 roster spots. You can carry 15 guys on your roster during the regular season, along with two two-way players. They signed one of those. We'll get into those later. So they don't have a spot for EJ Liddell. They have guaranteed contracts out there already. So, you know, it'd be one thing if you had, had a second-round pick that you wouldn't expect to play that probably wasn't going to be good, and you just drafted a guy because you needed to draft a guy, and you couldn't sell it, you couldn't make a trade that got rid of it or anything like that. Well... This changes things because I do believe, even though I don't know if he'll get a ton of minutes early on in his career here, especially his rookie season, that you need to give him a guaranteed contract to keep him on your team. He is a good enough player that I doubt he signs a two-way. He's certainly not going to sign an Exhibit 10 where he would only be on the G League team and other teams could potentially poach him then too. You've basically got to give him some sort of Herb Jones guaranteed deal for the first season, maybe with two non-guaranteed years after that. But, well, they don't have a roster spot for that, right? Herb Jones on the roster, Devontae Graham, Valanciunas, Jackson Hayes, Trey Murphy, Garrett Temple, 
remember that name, Brandon Ingram, Najee Marshall, Jose Alvarado, Billy Hernan Gomez, we're 10 right now, CJ McCollum, Kyra Lewis Jr., Larry Nance Jr., Zion Williamson, and Dyson Daniels. That is 15 guys. There's no room for EJ Liddell. So they are going to need to do something about this because Liddell is a good enough player that you absolutely need to give him a contract and try and find some minutes. Where where you get those minutes from, I'm not sure where you'll find those to start the year. You know, he's more of a four than a five. He's going to have a tough time finding minutes behind Zion Williamson and Jackson Hayes right now as the roster is constructed. He's probably ahead of him too at that, having moved Jackson to that spot last season. But he's going to be good enough to get some minutes. And if an injury happens, you love to have him available and be ready for your team. And this is what they're going to end up doing in some capacity. Plus, you have some money you want to maybe spend in free agency. That's now 17 guys, right? 15 under contract next year with Dyson Daniels, EJ Liddell, and then someone with a mid-level exception. And by the way, we'll talk about that sort of stuff coming up later in the week along with some trades that they're going to need to make. Well, let's get into that part then. How do you fix this? Like, what do, you, what do you do here, right? What can you do? What's realistic? More importantly, what's unrealistic? If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know what I mean by that, but we'll talk about it anyway. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by rockauto.com, my favorite sponsor. rockauto.com, the cheapest and easiest way to get your auto parts needs. I work on all of my cars. I got the 1976 Corvette that I just slapped a new steering wheel on, got it off of rockauto.com. I put in a new radiator a couple of weeks ago, drove it around the city, took it for a cruise in the the French Quarter this weekend. It's hot, running cool because the parts were great from rockauto.com. So save time and money when using rockauto.com. Don't choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. RockAuto.com, it's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years, and their prices are, and I mean this, reliably low for every single customer. And you can pick the price points you want. You want performance parts? That's great. Go and get them. You need something just to keep your car on the road because it gets you to and from work. It's kind of your lifeblood at times. You can buy that too, so they have parts available for every budget. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. I'm about to really start the interior of the Corvette and start fixing that. I'm going to be ordering the parts from rockauto.com. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs, and it's really easy to use their website. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all. No one else doing that. Giving you the content that you want, the insight you want, and breaking down everything exciting with this team that's important and the topics kind of of the day. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show. And of course, leave a five-star review with a comment. You can now do that on Spotify and leave a comment down below on YouTube. And here's the question of the day if you want to respond on YouTube. What do the Pelicans do to open this spot? What is your preferred solution for them? Basically, what this means is, who do you want them to ship out? Because they need to send players away in trades. 
basically what they're going to need to do to try and fix this is a two-for-one trade. Send out two players, bring one back. Maybe three-for-one would even be better. Four-for-one wouldn't be the worst thing for New Orleans if that were the case. There's not a ton of options for them to probably be able to do that that are realistic, but more or less they need to create some sort of lopsided trade where they send out more players than they're getting back. Poof, that opens up a roster spot. If you remember one of the first podcasts we did, and go and listen to this if you haven't, but uh, when the offseason started, was talking kind of about the Pelican salary cap situation. They're close to the luxury tax. That can be a problem. So it's not as simple as just wave a player, right? You're all thinking of who, you, and I know the comments are going to be down below on YouTube, right? It's going to be Garrett Temple. You want him shipped out. He doesn't play. He was bad when he did play for the team last year, and he's making about $5.15 million next season with a non-guaranteed year after that. No one wants him on the team right now. Like, good locker room guy, certainly. Kind of an assistant coach without the actual title and being officially a coach. But he's not as much of a player anymore. You need that roster spot for a guy like EJ Liddell instead, right? That's the guy you want to send out. Well, you can't just cut him because his contract's fully guaranteed. So if you do that, you still have his $5.15 million against the salary cap. And they're really close to the luxury tax. So you might, if you're going to pay a guy and you're going to go into the tax for it, you would hope that you have that guy available to play for you in case of emergencies, right? Human victory, cigar, maybe in a sense. And I think that's the way they kind of view Garrett Temple. I'm not going to spend much time on this because I think it's so unrealistic. I, I don't think the option is also for him to retire, get his money off of your books, off of the salary cap, and then pay him $5.15 million to be an assistant coach. One, maybe they already like the coaching staff, and they don't want to lose a guy to bring in Garrett Temple, even if he could be good, right? You're also not going to pay him $5.15 million to be an assistant coach, which is probably more than Willie Green makes. That upsets the balance of power. That probably would piss Willie Green off. It probably upsets all of your other assistant coaches who are making in the range of half a million dollars or less. You're not going to all of a sudden pay this dude 10 times that. Not not a chance. That's not going to happen. That's wishful thinking. Maybe he retires, but why would he? Why, why would he retire if you can just chill on the bench and get paid $5.15 million, right? Like that's kind of the problem here. He's making a good bit of money that it's not exactly going to be the easiest thing to motivate him not to do that. He can always go and be a coach later if he wants, right? Um, so this is you know, kind of one of those situations where you got to trade him. You could potentially trade some of these guys into someone's cap space. You're potentially going to need to include some sort of first round pick for that. Seconds usually won't get that done, but there's potential. Then you don't have to take anyone back if you do something along those lines. So there's options for New Orleans to do it. And then there's also big name trades out there. Could Deontay Murray be an option for New Orleans? And we'll do a show on that coming soon of, okay, you send out a bunch of guys, bring him in. And all of a sudden, now you have room for EJ Liddell. But those are going to kind of really be the main options. There is the option to potentially stretch Garrett Temple's contract. The way you do that, and I got to check on how it works with the non-guaranteed years. So if someone actually knows this, please let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. More or less the way it works is you double the number of years plus one. So he has one guaranteed year left. So you double it. So that's two. You add one. That's three. If it were a two-year contract, it's five years. Then double plus one. So three years, and then you kind of take the remaining salary, which is $5.155 million, and you you put it over three years, and that's the cap hit. So it's a little over a million per year then. And that 
creates a roster space, saves you a little bit of money against the cap too, but then you're paying them longer than their contract goes on for. You don't always want that because it's going to be against the salary cap every single year. And for a team that's going to be pushing the luxury tax in the future, how awful are you going to feel if like the $1.6 million you owe Garrett Temple that year is what puts you over into the luxury tax? So the way this is going to happen is it's going to be a trade. It's going to be a trade. And if you're looking at guys that are most likely to be moved, you know, certainly I think they'd like to get off of Devontae Graham's contract to a certain degree. You know, Jackson Hayes could be moved too. As we even talked about this on draft night, right? I don't think they want to really make a decision on him in restricted free agency. I don't think he's shown enough to be worth a big time contract that he probably wants. So let another team kind of have to make that decision and not, not deal with that anymore, especially if you can get something back for him. But Probably not. You're probably including an asset with him to get him off of your team. Any trade they make to create a roster spot is going to need to involve some sort of protected future pick in the first round, most likely. They can get it done for seconds. That's great. But I do also think it's probably worth spending a future first round pick. And you have ones from the Bucks that aren't going to be that great, potentially, to, to bring EJ Liddell on the team even though you used a second-round draft pick on him and now you're using a first-round pick to create a spot for him, it's not ideal. That kind of increases like the spot he was drafted in, in a sense. But I also think he's good enough to do that. And I think the versatility he could bring to the team, the three-point shooting that he could bring to the team is a big. You know, I think he's going to make a, a nice mark here in New Orleans. And I think he's very motivated. You could see it after the draft night that he was kind of disappointed to go in the second round. Probably going to use that as fuel for motivation. I love those guys who are driven. He already plays with a high motor. He's going to play even more so with one. It's worth it. They'll figure it out. They need to do something now. But it's certainly a problem that they weren't expecting to have on draft night. It's not a bad problem to have necessarily, but you got to do something about it. So, EJ Liddell unexpectedly falling to New Orleans at 41, making the front office do some work. So who do you want to see shipped out? Is there a trade you have in mind that's realistic that you think could work? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube, and I'll comment and reply to as many of them as I can over the next day or so. So that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Tomorrow, let's talk about the TV contract. Let's talk about Giante Murray this week, too. Other trades they could make to clear up some space that are big ones that aren't just like dumping guys. And of course, what are they going to do in free agency? Because that starts on Friday. So it's going to be a busy week here. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.